the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and we are at MJ Unpacked in New York. And I have Lana Van Brunt, who is the co-founder of Sackville & Co. and Sackville Studios with me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And right after this, you have a talk. What What are, well, before we get into that, tell me about your companies and what you do. Yes. So we talk about this now, even though it's the reverse order, which I'll explain. So we talk about Sackville Studios being, um, you know, kind of the the machine that runs the Sackville ecosystem. So Sackville Studios is a multidisciplinary product design, global sourcing and production agency. So we work with tons of the brands that you know and love, and we design and produce all of the lifestyle goods. So basically anything that exists outside of the actual plant touching products from, you know, high-end paraphernalia to merchandise, apparel, trade show swag, all that kind of stuff, we work with brands to produce. And we also create really robust line plans so that people can develop that kind of you know, cookies model of building out a really robust revenue stream that's outside of their cannabis as well. And Sackville & Co. is our portfolio brand. So those are products that we've designed and developed. And it's really the way that Haley and I see the world. And it's become a bit of our calling card of how cannabis can be reimagined to start the conversation with brands about how they can reimagine the smoking experience and their entire brand um, category for themselves. And what got you into working in cannabis? Because you seem to have a very, you, it seems like you're really like going deep in the rabbit hole with all of this. Yes. I mean, I have no good reason to be in cannabis. I have, you know, came from advertising and marketing, worked in house advertising agencies for a million years and then went over to the media side. So I worked at Vice for a long time doing talent buying and experiential marketing and um, overseeing business operations there. So I kind of had was all over the place and then um, started a marketing consulting agency. So I worked with media companies like Attention Media, where I would build out those divisions for those brands and really help them build out brand partnerships and all of that. And then, you know, serendipity Haley and I met I her husband worked at Vice so I had met her through him and she came from product design luxury fashion so she's um spent 15 years as a design director of OVO and worked with Yeezy and different brands and we started like honestly wine nights just chatting about like what would be cool and realize that together, the two of us, we actually had all the skills necessary to make it happen. So we just did it. We started with one grinder, rolling papers and cones and continued to reinvest in the business and build out the product line. And here we are today. That's awesome. A little bit earlier today, I was actually talking to um, Brendan Lynch from Jushi. Yes. Yeah. And we were talking about how in the different things around merchandising and creating that connection with a brand. And you mentioned cookies. And I mean, I I came into town yesterday and I saw cookies blue and I automatically knew where I was. It's like, it's such a very important thing. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, I obviously could talk about this forever and I'm actually on the panel with Brendan after this. So same kind of category. So I don't (laughs) want to, I don't want to say all the same stuff he said, but Basically, you know, for us, it's there's a few different things that we really like to talk about. One of them being that um, the merchandise and that's 
really everything from the stuff you give away at a trade show to the products that you're actually retailing and selling to the consumer are a direct impact to quality for your consumer because it's a consumption-based product and most of the brands that exist today haven't been tried by your consumer. We're trying to still bring in new consumers or also just people who are incredibly brand loyal, allow them opportunities to try other brands and different products. So if they get something that falls apart, that the color chips off, that they need to throw away in two months, all of those pieces are really flags to the quality of the product and will 100% impact the future opportunity of that customer for the brand. So that's a big thing that we work with. And you know, we're really trying to change the game in that none of those products need to be throwaway items mm-hmm. in cost-wise. Like it's it's just as cost-effective to find something that's well-made, that's like highly curated and made for the brand ethos and aesthetic and everything as it is to find like cheap shit that you put your logo on, you know, and so that's something that we're really trying to to shift. And I think it's also become really apparent. And this has been something we've kind of been screaming from the rooftops. But within the last year, year and a half, brands are highly aware that it is a massive revenue opportunity for these companies to prop up what is a really difficult you know, the cannabis industry, we all know, I don't need to like (laughs) speak into the choir here, but basically, you know, low margins, really expensive distribution channels. There's obviously no um, economies of scale state to state because of the way it's set up now. So it's a really high cost uh, industry and merchandise is something that can not only sidestep advertising regulations to get your brand out, it can support your revenue streams. And of course, also it can really create that connection with the customer that allows them, you know, to be the camp out at your store and wait for your new drop, just like uh, Cookies has done, which of course they've done a million things and I won't, I won't narrow them down to that one thing, but. It is a good example though. Yes, exactly. Exactly. They did prove a case that I think it's awesome for us because there was definitely a time frame for the first few years that we exist where people really felt like that was a luxury part of a brand to have those assets. And I think they've really shifted it to be it's actually a necessary thing. And especially if you want to play in the game of a national brand, like it's okay right now to be state by state. But if you want to be in the game when everything changes and there is that opportunity for companies to create economies of scale at once you know the, the borders have been removed mm-hmm. then you want to have already connected with an audience in those spaces whether they could receive your THC products or not so right. it's really like become a mandatory mandatory thing for a brand yeah and i think too when you're looking at that i mean even looking at um cannabis tourism for example um, I used to work for a company that started out as a small dispensary and ended up being a, a high-profile pri- MSO. But back in the day when we were just in California in a few stores, our our swag, like our, our hoodies and stuff, were something that I was starting to see on eBay. And I'd see people coming from other areas saying, I had to come here and check it out because my friend has this hoodie that I love and he loves your brand. And you know, it, it was like that emotional attachment and that sense of identity that comes with a lot of the branded objects. Totally. It's like sometimes this feels like old news. So I, so I hate saying it because it really is like marketing 101. You're not selling a product. You're selling an emotion. You're selling an experience. You're selling a lifestyle. Like it, you do need to spend the time to tap into exactly meeting your consumer where they are. And that's one big piece of it. Like we've seen this 
this isn't new. You know, there's there's one off like New York has great examples of this. There's one off like pizza shops that have become national brands that sell, do merch drops, do product collabs. You know, you can only get the pizza at one location in New York, but they're making massive headways with audiences. You know, they have 100,000 followers. And again, like a slice shop that you can only get in New York. So they're producing material and merchandise that allows them to connect so that it's a destination when they come to New York. You know, it's something that people are talking about with their friends. If there's a drop there, there's a secondary market for this. You know, it's, yeah, it's, I think that it's something that has been done. We're not, we're not reinventing the wheel, but we're really trying to hold hands with companies to help support them through it. So again, they're not like people want to do it and then they don't know where to start or how to invest in inventory and what products to hold and what not to, and even volumes of them. Like we've talked to people who are like all in, they know exactly what they want. You know, maybe they're wanting to make a pipe or just, you know, a cute stash bag or tote bags or whatever it is, but then they're investing in like 14,000 units or something or 3,000 units of, and they're, they're sitting on this inventory for years at a time because they're not totally certain how it would move. And they don't kind of have that support that we provide to be able to be smart and and allow it to be a revenue positive yeah. experience for companies. Yeah. Well, and then there's also the the story of they get something, then they realize that it doesn't pass compliance. Yes. Yes. You should always have a company that also has the liability <laughs> tucked into there. <laughs> well, what have been some of the challenges around that for you? I mean, fuck, we've been like every single year has been a once in a lifetime set of challenges, like from global pandemic to global material and supply chain crisis, like to this impending pseudo recession or whatever we're calling this, you know, it's, there's constant challenges. And I think that's another thing why, like, obviously I'm plugging myself, but it, in a general sense, it's important to work with companies that really do know what they're doing because you can have really big issues if you're importing products with the wrong, you know, harmonized tax codes and the wrong, you know, you, you need to be supporting what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's a really complex system. And, you know, we have a really developed ERP and managed large programs. So it can be something that you can have all the right intentions to and be impacted really significantly with customs or shipping issues or even just material shortages and not really knowing how to transition those products into something that's cost effective. So like, I mean, it's challenge after challenge. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just a whirlwind of chaos, but it's like, you know, that's why we're here is to support that expertise because it's not going to be everyone's expertise, nor should it be. Right. So, right. Yeah. Have have you been getting some interesting data from some of your exploration in this area? Yes. I think a lot of things, you know, we've been doing this for, we started in 2018, so we've been here for a minute now. And in the simplest form, when we started, nobody even knew what was going to sell, right? Like the way dispensaries have grown is also incredibly different. The way that they're building out lifestyle categories is incredibly different. Like every all of it has shifted a lot, but there's still some things that just the simple like data set of working with so many MSOs and so many kind of of the brands that we all know and love, what actually works and what does not, you know, and that's something that sometimes you think like 
this is going to fly. Like this, people are going to love this is going to be so good. And then we just start to see like that doesn't move. That's like a really good thing that you should have 10 units of as a display piece that supports your marketing. And this is where you should be investing your inventory to drive revenue. Like we kind of get that information just over years and, and running so many programs. So yeah, it's like, but it's still an, it's still a endless, like, um, I want to say like data void because nobody really even the people who have the data it's of a market that is a portion of the market that will be and it's not necessarily you know when you think of like BIPOC women like all of these companies that are still propping up to support these communities like I think the data sets are going to always be changing so as much as we listen to data we also understand that there's markets that are not being touched in that and there's still a singular consumer that's kind of being sold to and therefore that's the data set we're all reviewing over and over right right that was i mean i think one of the the biggest pieces of misinformation that people were clinging to for the longest time was that it sells itself but it's also cannabis is also a very personal emotional thing that's seen through many individual lenses yes and we are missing a huge market of people that could be using this as a part of their everyday lives like and and the thing i think that some people who aren't connected to cannabis don't understand is it's it's not necessarily about getting high it's sometimes it's about balance or relaxation or what have you and Yes, you do have you have your your people who are more into the cannabis heady culture, but that's actually a very small subset. Totally. That's how Sackville Co. started completely, is that we felt like nobody was redesigning the experience of cannabis. Like everyone was trying to figure out how much THC you could get in a crop and all the modalities of how you could get high. Mm-hmm. Like how can you get THC into your body? But nobody was, first of all, no one was designing for women and nobody was reimagining what the experience should be. And from the get, we thought it was a CPG good. This is always going to, this is going to open up and be a space where we need to understand that everything will be impacted. The way we shop, the way that stores look like, you know, we call ourselves a high design head shop. And it's really like an attempt of a version. There's going to be a million different, as there should be, consumer perspectives of of what they are looking for in a head shop experience but it's really an attempt to reimagine retail from the ground up and what it could look like to have products that aesthetically just integrate into your home integrate into your style like you can have them out as pieces of art that aren't just immediately flagging this kind of outdated stereotype that is currently all that exists for products and even packaging all that stuff there's a few brands that are really changing the game and there's a lot of brands who are still you know calling out to what what we would consider to be an outdated stereotype or at minimum a very a very narrow scope of what the cannabis consumer looks like yeah yeah i i think about um seth rogan's yes his ashtrays Yes. Which totally take me back. Yes. They do a beautiful job. And I think he's also someone who he was quoted talking about when he, I think this went in a, in addition to the art he creates, like his actual, you know, movies and things like that, but also the products that he was making. And it's really that he, the more he tried to be for everyone, the less successful, like this is all not verbatim 
So don't, <laughs> don't come for me. <laughs> but this, but basically it was more focused on like, you know, he has a specific vision and that fits for a specific consumer. And there should be that voice and view for all different types of consumers. Mm -hmm. And the more narrow he got, the better the company did, because I think that it shows that, you know, you can't be one size fit all, fits all, which is what cannabis, the industry was propped up on that kind of like, it will sell itself. Everyone just wants weed, get them into the dispensary and it's fine. But ultimately that's not what it is. Like you don't, if you don't see yourselves in the product, if you don't see yourself in the brand, you won't buy it. So yeah. you have to create things that are authentic and specific for you as the creator of the brand and you will find your community and that's the community you'll have. Like mm -hmm. it'll grow organically and authentically. And if you try and force it into being something for everyone or, you know, hit every single age group or demographic or whatever, you're going to fail. So it's something that, yeah, we, we look to there. Those are brands that are doing amazing things and are obviously reimagining the experience. And I think it's like, been received incredibly well yeah you, you can't pull yourself in all different directions it's like what is that saying you can't be everything to everyone you're not a taco <laughs> <laughs> that's fair you know <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite products that you've been working with that you've you've just been having fun geeking out on well, it is actually really fun what we do because we get to actually make all of our ideas. Mm -hmm. So not everything we make comes out. We spend a lot of time iterating and testing and everything that Sackville & Co. puts out, like we use. These are products that we have refined over and over and over again to make sure that they're not only look good, but they stand the test of time. You know, we're it's 2023, like we're not here for I was going to say fast fashion, but like fast cannabis, like we're not here for trash items that are just going to, you know, impact communities and the world and everything worse off than they were before. So it's, we get to do anything anyway, point being is that not everything makes it. <laughs> so, but I think for us, like there's such a, like, it's such a labor of love. The brand, we started with the signature grinder which is our four-tier grinder. It's what kicked everything off. But, you know, we have reimagined what the shape, style, size, like function of a grinder should be. And those are products that we use every single day. Like I use the Gilded Grinder every single day. And um, I really promise if you use it, you will also, because it's like from the way it sits in your hand, the way that it functions to, you know, grind your flour, all of that is, is, um, a dream, but other products is like, we work on collabs. So we just launched a collab with Playboy, mm -hmm. which was just came out on 420. That again was a big labor of love. It was years in the making. And that's this really beautiful, um, charm case. I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet, but no, it's I like, haven't. yeah. So it's, it's just this fun piece that again is like, we use like I'm stoked on it because it's with me all the time. It's this like kind of heavy duty, like you'll have it for your whole lifetime piece that is really cool and interesting, but also like highly functional. So that's something that we've spent the last couple of years producing. And it's it's really nice to be out in the world. And we do we have a couple other brand collabs um coming out this year. And we do really do a lot of brand collabs with companies outside of cannabis, which I think is also really interesting of how many big global brands are ready to 
take the step into cannabis and even at a minimum speak to a cannabis conscious consumer and be willing to acknowledge that it's not taboo and that it's something that they should also be participating with so yeah well that's i um i live I, li- I live in Oakland, but I live in a little enclave inside Oakland called Piedmont. And it has like Piedmont Avenue with all these cute shops. And there's this one houseware store that has just lots of cute, precious things and books and gifts. And I noticed that they had a little cannabis corner where they had accessories and accoutrement. And it was like they they curated it so that it was very obvious that it was through the lens of of their average consumer. Yeah. And I thought, what a shift. Yes, totally. And I think that that's the way we see the future of cannabis retail is like, you know, maybe it won't be get all your beautiful things at the dispensary. It'll be like a liquor store, like go get your weed just the same way as you're going to go get your liquor, Mm -hmm. but you're going to go seek out your beautiful like wine glasses or decanter or, you know, stem charms or whatever it is at beautifully curated stores. And so that's something that I think there's been a few brands that have, that have, turn even in states that you wouldn't think like i'm thinking of a brand in texas that Mm -hmm. had a store that was a cute kitschy you know home goods and lifestyle goods store and they've almost transitioned the whole thing to this like cbd and cannabis centric space because if it's safe if it's appealing if it's aesthetic like more and more people are going to want to participate with it and i think that really goes for women too because we were left out of the space for, for safety reasons, obviously, in the illicit market, it's not, it wasn't something that women were predominantly buying. And now, you know, we're really in charge of our, of the entire life cycle of how we consume cannabis from how, whether we want to microdose, which is, you know, not every one. I think that's still like what is out in the world is like how, how, how much THC is in and how quickly can you get like fucked up with it? Whereas like right. women, a lot of the women that, that purchase from us are really looking to integrate it into their lifestyle and not just like become a zombie on the couch. So I think that as that whole supply chain and that whole consumer engagement channel changes where women are really at the forefront of it, mm-hmm. um, I think we'll continue to see a change in the way that retail and brands and products prop up. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think that normalization is changing a lot of that conversation. Cause I remember, over a decade ago when I started to get involved in cannabis um, in the industry and my friends were like, I guess Sarah got done with cancer and is having a midlife crisis. Okay, we we don't judge. (laughs) (laughs) And then as more products came out that were more friendly, people were having more conversations, these same people were just kind of like, hey, can we talk about this? Now I'm curious. And that's, that normalization and seeing where it fits into your, or if it doesn't, that it's okay. Exactly. And I think that that's with everything. Like the more, you know, we talk about sexual wellness also, because that's an industry that was predominantly designed and sold to for women mm-hmm. by men. And now there's this explosion of really, you know, unicorn businesses that are expanding rapidly because they're women designing products for women and selling them to women with our own voices and our own everything. And I think that it it just really shows that when we're at the forefront of what we want, like what we're creating the products that we want mm-hmm. in cannabis and any of these kind of like previously stigmatized, don't talk about it, like h- how that changes everything, community, health, you know, and even ultimately 
opportunity. So yeah, oh, absolutely. And that's, you know, it also helps people explore and not make mistakes that lend to not only an unhappy experience, but to the stigma. When you were mentioning sexual health, I actually taught some sex and cannabis classes at Good Vibrations, which was female founded, although I don't believe that they're still owned um, by by women, but it was a female founded collective, which was about destigmatizing that. Yeah. And I think women have been in a space for a very long time where there's so many things you can't talk about or can't, you know, especially with the double our standards and wellness. And yeah. yeah, so I think that that alone, like women, that was a lot of the part of, of the collaboration with Playboy, to be honest. It was, a, it was they've gone through a really big rebrand mm-hmm. and taken the brand in a totally different direction. And it's all about agency for women, like agency in the way that you display your sexuality, agency in your sexuality, agency in like if you want to use cannabis, like how, when, how much, how it happens is fully, you know, we have the ability to design that for ourselves. So yeah, whether it's you like a gummy, you like a cannabis cocktail, which is, which is actually how I've got some of my female friends that were like, oh yeah, kind of like, I don't know. We have partners. So again, we run the retail track. Like we have dispensaries and all of that stuff were not supportive of the category for a while. Everyone just thought it wasn't going to grow. There was already enough head shops. Nobody really needed these pieces, right? So we said, fuck it. And we ran into retail. So we sell at Urban Outfitters. We sell in boutiques. We sell at, you know, the standard hotels. We just did a big month-long pop-up there and all these things. Yeah. And it's like, um, where the hell was I going with this even? Normalization. (laughs) (laughs) Getting into other places. I don't know. Identify. It's going to be really good. And then as soon as I'll leave. No, you're, 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 you're going in a great place. But no, I get it. It's like it, that, that's part of the, the normalization. normalization. Oh, I'm remembering. What? We partnered with New York Now and Bulletin, which is a massive retail trade show. So obviously not cannabis. That's where people go and do all their buying for those stores, those lifestyle goods, home goods, anything like that. And all the people that would come up to us there. So we did a talk series and we're really talking about the future of retail and how brands can participate, Mm -hmm. you know, from Urban Outfitters and uh, Barnes and Noble and Nordstrom. All these brands were there kind of talking through what that would look like as cannabis becomes like wine. And um, women, like, in their 60s, all of these women that I think, again, even at the point where it's like, you would just assume, no, no, you would never use that all, use cannabis, are super excited that the conversation is at the forefront where they can talk about it with their friends, are interested in getting information, like when you're saying beverages and and how you can get people who maybe were hesitant to try it, but are looking for that support, whether it's in their wellness or just they want to cut out alcohol a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. And we were really shocked at like how the category is massive. It's not just like Gen Z millennials who are smoking cannabis or using cannabis it's everyone and until we talk to everyone then you know yeah we can't really grow the industry the way that it should be right right and the fact that it's become something that's great around gift giving too it's not it's not always a personal buy sometimes it's a gift and that was like where the boutique section of a dispensary would really come into play because around the holidays was when people were like, oh, I want to get something for so-and-so. But there's nothing more disappointing, and I have a whole box to prove this, <laughs> of beautiful pieces 
that don't work. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I get you. We 100% do not believe that utility should suffer for, for, um, like, aesthetic design. Design itself and the the process of designing products has to be both because you don't want a pretty thing that doesn't work and you don't want to ugly thing that you have to hide away like in a shoebox under your couch every time you want to use it so you know we really are trying to bridge that gap too (laughs) that reminds me of my old glass on glass bong that i used to keep under the sink (laughs) under the sink yeah exactly like that's not going on my coffee table table. yes so you need some sackable stuff because you need to have it on your coffee table and it should feel like you should feel sexy when you're using it (laughs) right that's it i know my husband's like when are you going to get rid of this box of stuff i'm like these are my samples i i collect this stuff to see how things are going like the progression and he's like what do you mean i'm like i'm geeking out on it it? yes yeah oh i remember in the 215 days somebody brought in a sample of something and this is a little different because it was like a glass pipe but it also had um, flour in it but I swear to god it looked like a crack pipe and I was looking at it and I was like no like, I can't use this on the street I cannot I'm like I, I, I feel dirty looking at this thing <laughs> and yeah. now we're seeing things that are just like it, things that are like made out of blown glass yes the yes. artistry is amazing yes and I think that it's also important to know that things like take time Mm -hmm. and designing products that work really well and look really beautiful takes time. Like a lot of our, you know, the pipe, we have a crystal ball pipe that's blown glass that is a beautiful piece that took over two years in design. Like you're iterating, you're making sure that this piece can not only stand the test of time, but it functions exactly the way it should. And I think that we've been brought up in this fast, 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 like new drop, new drop, new drop, and really good things take time. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why, you know, you're seeing a lot of things that look great, but they don't really stand the like heat test of can this actually work the way that it needs to. That's it. I mean, I think quality over quantity is is where it's at with this, yeah. and especially with the challenges that we have as an industry around waste. Totally. It's 2023. Like, I I was talking about this with someone recently, but like it has to be the consumer. You have to be deciding with your dollars where you spend because Mm -hmm. the company's not going to do it. If you keep, if you bolster their revenue, that's what it's going to be. So I think it's really important that you demand sustainability and products that are going to last. And, you know, that doesn't mean that the products have to be really expensive. Like we call ourselves an attainable luxury brand because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, our our, uh, most expensive grinder is $80, but what promise you you will never need to buy another grinder like it will stand the test of time and it's our effort to make sure that things are sustainable in the sense that you're not throwing this away every year or two years like you 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 have this piece and you get to have it forever i like how that's coming back around because for a while it just seemed like well even now this is totally digressing but thinking about (laughs) printers like every couple years you have to throw your printer out and get a new one because the main expenditure is is the ink yeah whereas like a long time ago you'd have a, a tank that lasted forever <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh. well it does come into like this is a whole other tangent but that planned obsolescence and mm-hmm. how ethical that 
may or may not be. But yes, there's. I think that we all really should be demanding that companies come to the table with, you know, put their money where their mouth is and are sustainable, are contribute contributing to whether it's community or something, like you really can't be um, just out for yourself anymore. I think we're at the place where everyone is recognizing that that's like the bare minimum that companies should be participating with. So like, don't spend your dollars where people aren't doing what you want them to do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and for people out there that are on the retail side, don't blow it. <laughs> yes. And you be can, mindful. again, you can like swag is such a dirty word and especially these trade shows, like we're at a trade show right now and there's a ton of stuff that's just being given away that will end up in the garbage on, as soon as people leave here, the same, you know, shitty tote that everyone's handing out or whatever it would be. You don't have to spend more money to be thoughtful and create something that people will actually use and actually represent your brand in a way that again, creates that kind of quality connection with your consumer. And it's just We've been programmed to think all of that stuff has to be cheap yeah, because it needs to hit a budget. But again, like if you have a team that like we're expert global sourcers, like this is not um, there's there's ways to create things that people will use over and over, even in the simplest form of a tote, but doing it thoughtfully mm-hmm. and having some, you know, unique little design features or a little smell proof pocket or, you know, pieces that will or even in the des- in the um brand design like having aesthetically interesting illustration on it or something that people again will want to rep for for months and years to come as opposed to like okay i have six of these shitty tote bags now from this trade show and i'm gonna throw them all away right so it's i have um from drew martin i don't do you know drew yes martin? yes oh, i love those they're wonderful yes, they're great friends of ours oh that's so awesome <laughs> yeah it's actually a weird um a lot of um the brands in the industry we all kind of know each other and are friendly and that's a fun. beautiful thing yes it is really nice i love their um they gave me one of those little brass oh they're lighter, lighter covers yes Yes, I have one of those too. It's amazing. And I actually swap out my lighters. Yeah, it's a really good, that's a really good example of thoughtful merchandise because you're not going to throw that away. Mm-mm. It's going to, you're going to use it all the time and look at you repping Drew Martin now. You know what I mean? I know. It's now it's, now it's on every time you go to smoke. So I think that they've done, I mean, their pre-rolls and everything are also amazing. Oh, their whole design. And yes. Everything. And they're just lovely human beings. Yes, they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I love that. Well, and looking into the future, what are some of the things you're excited about? I mean, federal legalization. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's very excited for uh, advertising restrictions to be lifted. You know, people would be shocked a little bit at, that we do fall into all the same kind of things of, you know, exorbitant payment processor fees and difficulties with banking institutions and all that, even though we're not actually plant touching. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of room for that to just lift and be able to be a brand that can use the tools that brands have to market, to reach consumers and all of that will be like, we're very excited. I mean, Twitter is the first of the big, you know, social media companies to lift um, advertising for cannabis. And I think, you know, we anticipate that coming. Mm -hmm. But I think there's also a lot of, because we design for other brands, we have an opportunity to work with brands in Europe and um, kind of all over the place in Australia and different things. So there's a lot, I think, about to happen. Obviously, 
still some years to come, but once this really becomes a global economy and we're really able to um, kind of tap into the good things about how small the world is because of the internet and all those things. So I think that there's a lot of really exciting things coming out of a lot of different countries that, you know, they're ahead of their time right now in a lot of those places because it isn't legal, but they're working on the aspects that they can on the merchandise side and really working to build communities and brands and new visions. And like we're talking about retail, like really creating completely new concepts for how it'll look and feel to shop for cannabis lifestyle goods. Yes. Yes. Which is exciting. It is exciting. (laughs) We've come such a long way and we have such a, we have such a interesting, exciting way to go. Yeah. And I think it's really fun to see the brands prop up. Like we don't, it's still so, the industry's so in its infancy still that there's a lot of room for people to have their own voice and perspective. And, you know, like we don't really feel in competition with anyone because we're a specific perspective and that's not doesn't need to be for everyone and it's really exciting to be able to work with brands that have a different perspective and you know design differently or whatever and obviously we get an opportunity to work with them a lot of times behind the scenes which is really cool but it's it's also going to be really exciting to see what kind of what's the next gen of brands and especially out of new york like oh yeah. yeah yeah i'm really excited to see that because it's like when you think about like the coasts we influence all the culture in between. Yes, yes, you exactly. Know? Well, did it was it was it the times that said New York is poised to be the global leader of cannabis? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and I think again, yeah, it will be really interesting like obviously they're still doing some weird shit here. <laughs> but I think that the creativity wise, is yeah, creativity wise, <laughs> there'll be some cool stuff, but yes. Yeah. I mean, it is a little frustrating to watch different states or countries come online and not have necessarily fully like maybe I'm talking out of pocket but learned from the states before so I agree I don't understand why there has to be a constant reinvention of the wheel yes because people have been doing the legwork exactly like why are we tripping over this stone we already served the stone so yeah but again, brand-wise, creativity, like the pop-ups, the the way that people are interacting with it here is mm-hmm. exciting. And I think it always is going to be a really creative hub here. Yeah. And I love the fact that there are people from different areas collaborating and sharing their knowledge. I think it's really important. Like when people will be like, oh, those California people, they think they're so wonderful, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you know, we might, but... <laughs> we think you're wonderful too. Like we can learn I from each think other. That's the whole. Like again, we're a New York brand, so I am on the flip side of this. But we, I feel like that's the ethos of the two coasts. Is that California also likes New York, and New Yorkers are like, "Fuck California, it's so nice there." So whatever. Like everyone is just like, it's just what it. I don't know why that is what it is. Like no one, everyone also likes it here, but we have decided that like. It's impossible for us to like anything else, <laughs> like everyone else. <laughs> I know, I know. It's funny. It's well. I mean, it's it's kind of like when I came over here, and I was like, okay, well, you know, when you go to New York, what do you wear? Dressing up in New York is different than dressing up in San Francisco. Yes, it's yes. just a whole what have different thing. Oh, I just usually wear a lot of black. Like here or when you're well, black. I do at home too. But here, I feel more at home yeah, where in all my black. Chic as hell in black up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. well. I mean, it's you know, 
fashion. Fashion comes out of here. I mean, yes, California has it too, but it's a little bit more crunchy. Yes, totally. I was actually in floating around in LA for a little bit over the winter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a little bit of when I got back, it's like a little spark back in me of like dusting off these heels. Uh-huh. <laughs> Going to be storming the streets here again. That's it. Yeah. Well, in, in California, sometimes it can be a little bit more either like really, really flowy. <laughs> Oh, you've got alarm. That's good. We do. We are. You know what that is for? Yeah. It's my beta blockers. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh, there you go. your girl gets like sweaty and nervous on panels. I'm just not, there's not, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people where that's like their space that they thrive. And I love more so having conversations like this, but there's something just that just sets my nervous system into overdrive just having to speak on a mic in front of a bunch of people so if anyone needs a tip it's beta blockers and take them one hour before your conversation and you'll be fine just imagine everyone in bunny suits in yeah, the audience yeah fair i mean i'm gonna be cool as a cucumber with these things <laughs> you'll never know that's awesome that he can make some big deals yeah. after that too yeah. and be like yeah you know yeah i think i heard it again on some other podcast that like celebrities who have to do big uh public speaking like present an award or something are using mm-hmm. this so this is my secret weapon to anybody who does not like public speaking there's your tip everybody yeah <laughs> That's what that alarm was. oh man lana thank you so much for joining me today and i'm really looking forward to more conversations in the future and it's just it's really interesting to see what you're doing it's a whole different way of looking at it so I invite you to come back yes, anytime. thank you so much. It's been really nice. I mean, if it wasn't for the alarm, I could have chatted forever. It just shook <laughs> me back into reality. Um, it, yeah, it has been really, really nice. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you. Oh, and oh, before we go, for people who want to follow you on yes. social media and see what you're doing, how do they do that? Please do. So our Instagram is at sackville.and. Co. Um, and then from there, you can find all of our TikTok, Twitter, all that fun stuff. And the website is just sackville.co or sackvillestudios.co. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I hope you have fun the rest of the your you. time here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Bye. And everyone remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please Give us a review, share it with a friend, let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com, or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care.